Good morning, everyone. My name is Elaine, and today we're reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 15. If you if you would like a physical Bible, there are some at the back table. Um, I tend to like holding a book than my phone, so it's less distracting with all the apps and messages coming in. Um, so I'll be reading chapter 15 from verse 1 to 28. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost ship of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Thanks, Elaine. Good morning, everyone. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Bracker. Really good to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to start by telling you, uh, there's a time uh, when I lived in Sydney, and I'm glad I don't live in Sydney anymore. Um, but I was living in Sydney for a while, and I was doing a bit of work for our church there. And so I was in the office one day, and 
uh, one of one someone from our church was coming through and she wanted to chat for a bit. So we're talking, talking, talking. And then partway through the conversation, she said to me something that, that stayed with me. She said, I reckon we just need to stop worrying about all that, that doctrine and theology. And we just need to get on with loving people. It stayed with me, partly because she said it to me again a couple of months later. And also because there's a truth to it, isn't it? If you spent all your time reading theology textbooks, and if you understand all of the big words in them, and if you can go to a Bible college and pass their exams with ease, if you, if you did all that but, but you were mean-spirited, then there's a problem, right? What's the point of it all? I mean, even the Bible says this. Here's a, here's a verse from, uh, this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, if I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And you do get a bit of a sense of this from the world around us. Sometimes it feels like they look on at um, religious people or people who call themselves Christians and they think, well, if only you were just less caught up on all the differences between yourselves and got on with loving people, that'd be better for us all, wouldn't it? I wonder if perhaps at times you, you might have thought about this too. You know, we put so much time into teaching and understanding the Bible. Why not just put more time into actually going out there and loving people, doing good? Well, at church, we're going through a bit of a series at the moment called Jesus Revealed. I've called it this because uh, we're going through Matthew chapter 14 to 21. And as we walk through these chapters, we see so much of who Jesus is, uh, you know, why he came, what he's passionate about. Jesus is really showing us who he is here. And today we're going through quite a big chunk, even more than what Elaine just read for us. We're going to cover all of chapter 15 and halfway through chapter 16 as well. Uh, and I've got a bit of a roadmap for us on the screen here. So what we're going to see. Firstly, Jesus has two confrontations, right? These, these people who are part of the in crowd, um, these are the good, really good religious guys. They confront Jesus twice. But in, in between these two confrontations, twice Jesus meets people who are outsiders. They're the kind of people who don't belong. And then right at the very end, Jesus is with his disciples and he tells them what they ought to understand, what they ought to take away from, from what they've just seen. And as Jesus talks with his disciples, particularly at the end there, he'll help us with that question I brought up before. Should we really be overly concerned with our doctrine, theology and teaching? Or, or can we just you know, get out there and love people more, do good stuff? Okay, that's the roadmap. That's where we're headed. Let's start then. Confrontation number one. We see it in chapter 15, verse 1. It begins, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Now, the Pharisees are a religious, are a religious group of people, and when we hear their name, often we think Pharisee means bad. But that's not true for people in Jesus' time. Back then, the Pharisees were quite liked by everyone. They were the, the good guys, so to speak. And they were known for having a whole bunch of customs, the traditions, these are things that they did that were supposed to help people obey the Old Testament law, God's law. Things like what you should and shouldn't eat, who to hang out with, how to wash your hands and be clean, this kind of stuff. 
you've got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Literally, the teachers of the law are scribes. These are experts in the Old Testament law. So you can imagine the scribes and or the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they get on really well together. Like they're good friends. Did you notice these guys had come all the way from Jerusalem? Which is impressive. So on, on a map here, um, Jesus is up there in Galilee where it's circled. But Jerusalem is all the way down there. So they've come quite a long way to talk to Jesus. Uh, Jerusalem is, is it's the big city. It's the big smoke, right? This is where the important people are. This is where things happen. But Galilee is a bit more like a, it's a backwater. It's like where, where the hicks live up there. Nothing significant happens. You know, if you live in Galilee and you want to make it, you've got to move out and go down to Jerusalem. So what we've got here is kind of like these Big city boys are coming. They've heard about this new sensation up north. They're going to check him out, see what he's like. And pretty quickly, you see, they have a problem with Jesus. Jesus doesn't seem to care about their customs and their traditions. So look at verse 2. They say to Jesus, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. We've got this tradition, Jesus. Why aren't your disciples keeping with it? Ah, Jesus' response is, it's, it's, it's cutting. Um, they say, you're breaking our traditions, Jesus. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're breaking God's law. Look at verse 3. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And I'm not, I'm not going to go into a detail. We just read it before. But Jesus shows them that their traditions actually, at times they don't help, them, help people keep God's law at all. In fact, sometimes they do the very opposite. And so Jesus calls the Pharisees blind guides. And then he clarifies, being clean before God is not a matter of washing hands or eating the right food or being with the right people. It's a matter of the heart, which is a problem. Because in the depths of our hearts, we don't actually honour God. There is confrontation number one. Then Jesus takes a hike and he heads up there to a, a, a different area further north called around the cities of Tyre and Sidon. And when he's there, he meets a Canaanite woman. Now, the Canaanites and the Jews do not get along. Uh, there's a history of warfare between their people groups. Uh, they had different cultures, different religions. Uh, in fact, if you were a Pharisee, you would not mix with the Canaanites. They, they were outsiders, right? They were unclean. And if you mixed with them, it would make you unclean as well. It's kind of like um, uh, you know, if you were a Crows fan, you might joke about, Port fans, you might not want to sit with them at the games or share the bus ride with them, right? And Port fans are going to make those jokes about the Crows fans as well. And they're joking with each other, mostly at least. But the Pharisees here, they were serious. As far as they could help it, they're staying clear of the Canaanites and people like that. So Jesus is up there and this Canaanite woman comes to him and, and, and she begs him. You see verse 22, she says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter, she's demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And you can just tell, right, this woman is distraught. She's, she's, she's desperate for help. 
And when Elaine read the passage out, I wonder, did you feel like Jesus was being a bit rude to her? Like, at first, he doesn't pay her any attention, doesn't seem to answer her at all. Uh, but then, secondly, he says, oh, basically, I'm not here. If you have come for someone else, you, you just maybe need to wait your turn. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time to go into it now. And if you want to talk about it more, come grab me later. But, but what Jesus is doing here, he's, 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 he's talking, taking her through a conversation and getting her to a point where she's able to show and demonstrate where her faith is. So, so look at verse 28 and how Jesus ends by commending her. He says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Here's someone that a Pharisee would avoid at all costs, an outsider. But Jesus, he sees her as she truly is, right? Yes, a Canaanite, but that's not the most important thing. That's not what defines her. Her faith is, is what Jesus sees. That's the key to who she is. And Jesus accepts her. That's outsider number one. Then Jesus moves back down to familiar territory. Uh, Elaine didn't read this out for us, but, but Jesus goes back down around the Sea of Galilee. And we don't know exactly where he is there, but there's a crowd that comes out to him. And they have with them, they bring all sorts of people who have uh, lots and lots of different afflictions. So you look at verse 30. Uh, Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. And he healed them. He healed them. But notice what happens when Jesus does these healings. Look at verse 31. What, what's the, what do the people do? It says, they praised the God of Israel. That is, the people in this crowd might normally worship some kind of God. But here at this point, they praise Israel's God. Because what we've got here is a crowd of people who are mostly not Jewish. They mostly come from other countries. It's a, it's a crowd of people from all the nations. And again, here are the people, the kind of people that the Pharisees would not mix with. These people are unclean, outsiders. But that's not Jesus' attitude. He spends time with them. He heals their sick. Verse 32, he has compassion on them. And from verse 36 onwards, we see that Jesus miraculously feeds them. If we read the whole story out loud, you'd see a whole lot of similarities to something that we read last week as well. Last week, we saw that Jesus had five loaves and two fish. This week in the passage, Jesus has seven loaves and a few fish. Last week, Jesus fed over 5,000 people. This week, Jesus feeds over 4,000 people. Last week, there were 12 baskets full of leftovers, and this week, there's seven. Lots and lots of similarities of things that are happening, right? But there's one big difference. Last week, it, it was a group of people, a, a, a crowd of Jews. These are insiders. These are the kind of people you, you would expect God's going to bless them. Yes, they're God's people. But this week, it's different. It's a crowd this week of mostly people who aren't Jewish. These are not God's people. These are not the people that you would have thought God would bless. 
And what does Jesus do? He treats them the same. See, notice here that Jesus is for everyone, despite what Mike might say about his guitar skills. That was, wrong. That was not a bad song from Rowdy Randy, right? Uh, the Jewish people at the time, they had this expectation that, that they are going to be the ones who are blessed by God and they alone will be the ones that are blessed by God. That's partly why the Pharisees don't hang out with all these other people. But Jesus blows that expectation out of the water. Right? He is for all people, for everyone. doesn't matter if you're a Canaanite woman, if you're someone from one of these other nations. doesn't matter if you've got you know, all kinds of various diseases and sicknesses and illnesses and disabilities. Jesus is for all of them. Jesus is for, the, for those who are broken and hurting. Jesus is for single mums and crazy teenagers. Jesus is for people who are neurodivergent and people who are neurosurgeons. Jesus is for people who are newborn and for people who are near death. Jesus is, is for people who have the million-dollar smiles. and pe- Jesus is for people who have no teeth left in their mouth because they've lost them through addictions. You see, Jesus is for everyone, which, which, which challenges us, right? Because, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but maybe you do this too. You you meet someone or you know someone and you think to yourself, oh, look, this whole Jesus thing, they wouldn't really be interested in it. The the Christian thing's just not for them. Do you do this? I I do this. I've got a a brother, right? He's a year younger than me. And my brother's a pretty typical Australian kind of guy, right? He's... Uh, a larrikin at heart, he's got a trade background, he loves his footy, loves his weekend. And I just think sometimes the whole Jesus thing, he'd never really go for it. It's not really for him, is it? I do the same thing for other people. You know, a friend I have who's gay, a neighbor I have who's a pretty successful businessman, this this dad that I'm trying to get to know at Eva's school, I, I come up with all sorts of reasons why, why Jesus is not for them, all kind of restrictions I put up in my head. But it's just not right. Jesus is for everyone. I get that kind of in my head, yes, but, but do I believe it in my heart? Jesus is for everyone. Because when I get this, I think it, it, it's got to change things for me. Like It's going to change my attitude to the people around me. It's going to change the way I pray. It's going to change the way I try to engage with people and all sorts of other things. But it's going to change the way I come into church here, right? Like, it means I'm going to make sure I want everyone, no matter what they're like, whether I feel like they're, they're the same to me or completely different to me, I want to make sure everyone who comes in here is welcomed well because Jesus is for them just as he is as much for me. Jesus is for everyone. Okay, that's why we fork out for our mission partners, isn't it? We've got, um, I've got them up here. We've got Enya. We've met Enya before. Oh, there we go. We're one slide behind. We've got Enya. We've heard from Enya today. We also, we're partnered with the Purdy's. Um, Enya's up the road at Mawson Lakes. The Purdy's on the other side of the world over in Chile. And there might be others that you know and you support as well. But, but why do we do it? Why do, why do we fork out for these guys? Well, it's because Jesus is for the uni students up the road. These, these people who are starting out life on their own, making big decisions, and we want them to hear about Jesus who's for them. All the Purdy's, um, yeah, they're over in, in Chile to train pastors up for the work of ministry in South America. I think that's excellent because Jesus is for people all over South America. We want them to know Jesus. 
And it costs us, right? It costs us money to, to get them there. It costs us money to keep them there. But isn't that so, that's an investment that's worth it. We do it because Jesus is, is for those people. See, we're convinced, aren't we? We're convinced of this, aren't we? Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. Okay, let's bring up the roadmap again here. Where are we? Jesus has the first confrontation. He's met a couple of outsiders. And then comes confrontation number two. And you see it begins in chapter 16, verse 1. Uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him. Now, this might not sound very strange to us, but let me tell you, this is, this is odd. This is weird. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they do not like each other. As I said before, the Pharisees, these are your, your good kind of moral religious guys. They're respected in the time. They're, for most of the regular people, they are the, the, the religious heroes. But the Sadducees are not. The Sadducees are the elite. These are the rich upper class people. They had political power. And yes, they do believe in God. But most of the people of the time thought they were perhaps a bit corrupted because they, they had so much to do with the Romans, they, 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 they weren't quite like us. They weren't pure. But these two powerful groups, they do not get along. They butt heads all the time. But they are happy to put their differences aside to confront Jesus. And so they come to Jesus and they ask him in verse 1 to show them a sign from heaven. Hey, Jesus. Prove to us that you're worth it. Do one of your miracles, won't you? Now, the Pharisees should have known better. So back in chapter 12, this is the very thing they did there as well. And it did not go well for them. And it does not go well for them here again. Basically, Jesus says to them, uh, you, guys, you guys can look at the weather and, and know what's happening, right? You're good TV weathermen, but you're no good for, for, for being teachers of the Bible. Because you can't see what God is doing right here in front of you. You don't understand how the Old Testament points to me. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they go home, again, not getting what they wanted. There we are, four encounters that Jesus has with different people. And we get down and you think, oh, what's this all about? That's when Jesus, he takes his disciples aside. And he tells them what they need to understand from all this. So Elaine's going to come back up now, and she's going to read for us from Matthew chapter 16, verse 5 to 12. It's going to be on the screen. I'll follow along in your Bibles. This is really, really key. Thanks, Elaine. Verse 5. Is this on? Yep. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand? And how many basketfuls you, you gathered? 
or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus gets the disciples together and he says to them, verse 6, Be careful! Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The disciples think he's talking about bread because they'd forgotten it. And oh, what have we done? But Jesus says, no, don't you remember the feeding miracles? How could this be about bread? And they realize he's not talking about yeast. He's talking about teachings. Be on your guard against the teaching that the Pharisees and the Sadducees bring. We've seen, haven't we? It's dangerous. We've seen it, that it tears people away from God's word. It tears people away from Jesus. It tears people away from actually loving each other. These guys don't understand the Bible. They're blind to what is happening right in front of them. Beware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of their teaching. You see, doctrine, theology, the things that we're taught, it matters. It matters because teaching spreads. And that's the idea that Jesus uses of yeast. And when you cook bread, right, yeast spreads through the whole lump of dough, through the whole loaf of bread. It affects everything. That's what's happened with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They've got this teaching, and, and for them and those who follow them, it goes right through them. It, it shapes and it changes them. But for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it does not shape them for good. Did you notice through the passage how unloving they are compared to Jesus? Why? Because of their teaching, because of their doctrine, because of what they take in and believe. I have a friend, I had a friend in um, primary school. This guy was one of my good buddies. And we were at a party. We were quite young, kind of early primary school years. We were at a party for, for one of our friends or something. And there's going to be one of those games where there's a big scramble for lollies, like a treasure hunt or something like that. Anyway, that kind of thing. But before the whole scramble started, my, my friend, his dad, his dad pulled my friend aside and he said to him, now, man, you've got, you got to go hard for yourself here, okay? You get as many lollies as you can. Don't worry about the other kids. You get what you can get. What kind of thing does a teaching like that do in someone? How, how does that kind of thing spread? If, if that's the kind of thing that my friend kept hearing throughout his childhood, what does it lead to? What kind of man does that boy become? So we get this idea, don't we? Um, the kind of teaching we, we accept and let in, it matters. Theology matters. Doctrine matters. It matters because what you believe will shape you like yeast going through a lump of dough. So how do we make sure we get the right teaching then? Sometimes we've got to do what Jesus did right at the first thing when he was confronted with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. 
they had their traditions as the thing that led them. Jesus said, you need to let God's word do it. The Bible has to be our gold standard. Friends, don't believe something just because I say it up the front. Don't believe something just because you read it on the Gospel Coalition website. Don't believe something, something just because someone at community group said so. Or because you heard it on Life FM. Or because you read a book about it. Or because it was in your devotional material. Friends, let the Bible be your gold standard. The thing you measure everything by. Test what I say against the Bible. Test what you hear against the Bible. And of course, over time, you, you, you'll grow to trust some teachers and feel comfortable in their teaching. And that's, that's, that's right and natural. But always remember, we need to go back to our Bible. Let, our, let the Bible be the gold standard for you. Of course, you might want to ask, how? How does that work? Because sometimes you think there are tricky parts of the Bible and there's stuff I just don't know. And even when someone's teaching me, how do I know if they're teaching me the right thing or not? It can be hard. It's a good question. And it's a really good question because often um, wrong teaching can be quite subtle. It can be hard at points, times to, 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 to figure out. What do we do then? I think there are three things that are really useful. Uh, three things. Firstly, keep immersing yourself in the Bible. Keep getting to know it yourself. Become familiar with it. That will just give you a, help you have a sense of when things are a little bit off-center. Secondly, remember that the gospel is simple. We might have um, questions about strange topics or some of the harder passages in the Bible, but, but the gospel message itself, this message of Jesus coming to live and die and rise again, the message of God's grace to us through Jesus and forgiveness through Jesus, this gospel message is very simple. Don't be dragged away from that gospel message. Third thing here, don't be afraid to ask questions. That's part of why we do community groups, because they give us a chance to ask questions and to dig a little bit deeper. So we do Q&A up the front here, not every week, but hopefully often enough to, to let you ask questions if you've heard something you're not sure about, to let you clarify. And of course, again, I want to say, I'm always available. Um, come and grab me. If you miss me on Sunday, you've got my email, you've got my phone number there, easy to find on our website if you haven't. Just ask your question. Because we want to keep making sure the Bible is our gold standard in this. Let me end then with an encouragement. Sometimes you'll hear people say, like the person I mentioned I was talking to at the start of this talk, they'll say things like, oh, there's no point in bothering with all that doctrine stuff. It's a bit of a waste of time. But what we're seeing today is, is no, it's not, is it? In fact, your doctrine will shape the way that you live. Right teaching will, will lead to right love. So I wanted to encourage you, friends, because I've never heard anyone here say that we should do less Bible. I've never heard anyone here who's, who've complained when I've spoken for maybe five minutes longer than they would have liked. I've never heard anyone here talk down doctrine and understanding the Bible as if it's a bad thing. And I think that is really, that's a positive attitude that is good. And friends, I want to say I'm grateful to God for it. You know, we don't all need to go to Bible College of South Australia and 
and, and do like a big lots of study there. So if you're keen, absolutely go for it. Um, we don't all need to read through those thick theological books and, and process them. Though again, if you're keen, you're able, go for it. But what we believe to be true about God, that the kind of teaching that we accept, it does matter. So friends, let me urge us all to keep being in the Bible. Let that be our gold standard, dear friend. Good teaching, good doctrine won't stop you from loving people. But in fact, good teaching and good doctrine will set the right foundations to help you keep living a life of loving people. Let me pray for us. Pray that God will give us a desire to keep doing Great God in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus who comes and who points us to you. Thank you for his teaching. Thank you for his correction. Please help us be attentive to him and to listen to what he says. Father, we pray that you would help us have the Bible as our gold standard to test everything by. We pray that that would lead to us not only having a good understanding, but a life of love and service to others, out of love and service to Christ. And thank you, Father, that Jesus is for everyone, for all the people of Paraka and the surrounds and our country and the world. So we pray this week that you would give us chances to be witnesses of him to those around us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.